just want to leave um, a couple of verses with you tonight. We're going to look at one verse in particular. The book of Colossians and the chapter 1, please. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and then Colossians. Colossians chapter 1 and the words of verse 21 here through to verse 23. I trust that the Lord will speak to each one who's gathered tonight. If you're not a Christian at this very night, that you would come to saving faith in the Saviour. You're a Christian, that God would stir your heart and lead you on and through with himself. Colossians chapter 1, reading from verse 21. Just a, a brief reading here. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death, to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. And just that there thought there, those words, the hope of the gospel found in verse 23. Let's just bow very briefly, momentarily in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, we want to thank and praise you tonight for all that we've heard. Thank you for the blessing of being here, participating in public worship. We rejoice tonight that the door is open where we can come and freely worship. And we pray, Lord, that you'll bless the persecuted church worldwide. You'll Continue to meet them at the point of their need. And we thank the Lord for the privilege that we have. We don't take it for granted. Speak to each and every young person. We pray tonight, Lord, that you'll really impress upon each and every heart the hope that there is in Christ and that there is in the gospel. Here, prayer this evening, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. After I became a Christian, was converted at the age of 23, it wasn't long before I became involved in evangelism. Street outreach in particular. After all, that's what a Christian is supposed to do, isn't it, right? You know, you're saved, you're meant to tell other people the good news of the gospel. Let me encourage you as a young person to seek out good friends, friends who have a desire to serve God, to live for God, friends who will want to be involved in evangelism. And the best time to be involved in evangelism is when you're young. Because basically you've got a lot of energy and strength that you can use for the Lord. I, um, I'll mention just briefly, uh, shortly, but I'm involved in a ministry to those in addiction. And I can tell you it is an extremely busy work. And there's no time, and I, there's occasions when I just think, I wish I had the strength of a young person just to be able to burn that candle and to keep on going. But of course, the years go on. Over the years, I've had the, the privilege, the joy of serving the Lord in all types of evangelism, from street preaching, speaking to people one-to-one, -one, track distribution, open airs, uh, giving out invites, speaking to people at, at Great, to great crowds. What a blessing, what a privilege it is to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And one of the aspects of evangelism I've always really enjoyed and been challenged with is door-to-door -door evangelism. Putting it very simply, 
you don't know what's on the other side of the door. In other words, what sort of a reception you're going to be met with whether somebody's in a good mood or not, they mightn't appreciate you've been at the door. And I've always found it very challenging. I remember one uh, instance in particular. I was doing outreach, knocking doors, speaking to people, giving out invites for a gospel tent campaign that we were holding. And I was standing at this door, and I wrapped the door, and the man came out. We were starting to have a conversation. I was made comment about his nice dog, and he says, well, How can I help you? What are you here for? I said, I'm here to give you an invite to a gospel mission. Wow, what a response. He slammed the door straight in my face after a barrage of profanity and swear words. And the door must have just landed about here. And I can tell you something, I got the shock of my life and I was really taken back. And I remember that day actually standing at the door singing, Jesus loves me. This I know. I wasn't going to let it put me off. Door-to-door evangelism. When you're on the doors, oftentimes when you're speaking to somebody, asking the question, are you saved? Are you a Christian? Well, I hope I am. Will you be in heaven? I hope I will be. That's not the hope that the gospel, the Bible, speaks about. Years ago, I was involved in evangelism with a group of young people. We're all not so young anymore, but the majority of those people are still going on with the Lord. They love God. And we were down in, not too far away from here, actually, one evening. It was a Saturday evening. We were speaking to young students in particular about the things of God. And a young lady was with us, and I just happened to overhear her conversation. She basically said, well, if I'm right and you're wrong, You have everything to lose. But if I'm wrong and you're right, then there is no God and there is no judgment and there is no eternity. Then none of us lose. That's not what the Bible speaks about. Now, she was very sincere and well-meaning in what she was trying to put over and trying to say. She said, I hope that I'm right. That's not the hope that the Bible speaks about. I could say to you, well, I hope to meet you tomorrow. But of course, we all know that due to circumstances, things change. Appointments are broken. And that good intention can, of course, be not honored. The word hope in Scripture is not a maybe. It's not a possibility. The word here for hope in the verse 23 conveys a meaning of assurance Crystal clear assurance and certainty. Turn with me just to the book of Hebrews. Those of you who have a Bible, if you have a Bible you want to turn to it, Hebrews 10, the words of verse 23. The writer says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith or our hope. It's the same Greek word, the Greek word elpise. And another verse or a couple of verses, very relevant when we think about this word hope, the book of Titus and the verses 1 and 2 where Paul said in the book of Titus chapter 1 verse 1, Paul a servant of God and apostle of Jesus Christ according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness in hope of eternal life which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. When Paul here spoke about 
hope of eternal life. He wasn't trying to convey, well, hopefully I'm right, or hopefully maybe it will all be true. No, the word is faith, it's confidence, it's assurance. That is the hope of the gospel, the hope that is here spoken of. And so tonight I just want to briefly speak on this theme of the hope of the gospel. Notice when the young people, the hope of the gospel proclaimed. Proclaimed and given out and spoken. Most of you are familiar, I'm sure many of you are, that I work as a missionary under our church, under our mission board. It's a work that I've been involved in for quite a long time. I work with people who have very chronic drug habits, stubborn addictions, habits, young people whose lives are completely ensnared in sin and addiction, and really their lives are held chronically by their problems and affected by their problems. It's absolutely heartbreaking. And it'd be wrong to try and stereotype. I know that oftentimes we think, well, somebody who ends up in drug addiction is someone from a broken family or someone who's uh, been abused and from very difficult circumstances. And yes, some of them are, but many aren't. Some of the young people that we work with minister to are from good homes, even Christian homes made bad choices, wrong friends, and they've ended up in a place where they've never, ever intended to be at. And oftentimes I get to see a side of this country that many of you just don't see. And I'm thankful for that. I'm sure that recently you've maybe heard the uh, media speaking about drug problem here in our own capital city in Belfast. And it is a chronic drug problem. It's a problem that I'm, I'm involved in reaching out to people who are in addiction. Going back a number of years, I remember one night in particular, my wife and myself like to practically help people if we can. We like to try and show them some sort of Christian love. Uh, we, we went to a young man's house. We decided to try and help him. At that stage, he was in chronic drug addiction. He was injecting drugs. Most of the people that we actually work with now are what we call IV drug users. They use needles. They inject drugs. And, of course, they never intended to, to end up in that place. We went to this lad's house. My wife decided to clean uh, downstairs in the kitchen area and just to show him some practical love. I went up to his bedroom. I said to my wife, I said, you just wait here. I will deal with the bedroom. Heartbreaking sight, a scene that I will never forget. Because when I walked into it, it was like something you'd have seen out of a, I don't know, some sort of tragic movie or something. There was this bedroom and the the lad's living quarters and there were just used syringes, needles lying absolutely everywhere, everywhere. I began to lift them one by one. You have what are called sharp boxes to dispose of needles safely. began to fill them up. One, two, three, four boxes, five boxes. They kept on going. Probably in the region of somewhere of, uh, I don't know, 80, 90 syringes, whatever it may be. A lot of syringes used needles. The lad came into the room and the tears were streaming his face. He said, you don't need to touch them. You get contaminated if there's the possibility of him having some, something like um, hepatitis C or something, I said, listen, son, I want to tell you that I love you. My wife loves you. We really care about you. And you were not made to pump this poison into your veins. It's going to take you to hell. I can honestly say I could not 
be involved in ministering to people in addiction. If I did not have this book, if I did not believe in the hope of the gospel, that God saves and changes lives, that he transforms, that he reaches, that the very deepest died drug addict, for instance, can be converted. And see, if I spoke to a young lad just the other day and I was telling him um, about that event, and he said, oh, my family member's granny lifted 86 used needles. I mean, how do you speak to someone like that? What message do you have? There only is one message. It's a message of hope and real change. That no matter how deep down a person is, there is hope. There is the hope of the gospel. Now, it's not just a drug addict. It's not just the alcoholic, the gambler, somebody who's made a mess of their lives. It's not just those people who need to hear. Everybody needs to hear. Every man, every woman, every young person, every boy and girl needs to hear of their personal need of Christ and the need to hear of the hope of the gospel. We are commissioned, aren't we? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I wonder, are you seeking to fulfill that obligation? As a young person, with boundless amounts of energy, what are you using that energy on? Is it to further the gospel, to speak to people, to publish, to proclaim? That, of course, is because man is void of hope. The Lord said we're to go into the world and preach the gospel because man, as a sinner, does not have hope. He is lost in his sin. In the book of Ephesians and the chapter 2, we read here the words of verse 12. That at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. Man without God has no hope. He is living a hopeless life. You're in the meeting tonight, you're not a Christian, you're not saved. You have no hope. There is no hope of you being able to Deliver yourself from the power and the bondage of your sin. There is no hope of you recovering yourself from eternal destruction. No hope of you personally being able to escape the judgment of God. In the Psalm 1, there's a contrast between the godly and the ungodly. The Christian, the believer, and the unbeliever. What a difference there is. There's all the difference in the world between a Christian and an unbeliever. And it says there in Psalm 1 that the ungodly shall not stand in judgment. What that means is, it's not that they're not going to face a judgment. It means they stand no hope. No hope of standing before God unclean and unprepared. Some are not only find themselves in the place where they have no hope, but they have a false hope. This country is filled with people who have a false hope. False hope of respectability. They think that being a, a good, respectable person, being clean, being clean living by doing certain things, that certainly that's going to earn them favor and merit with God. Let me say, you are not born a Christian. Now, many of you are born into Christian homes. And what a blessing that is. But that does not make you a Christian. You are not born a Christian. We are born sinners. We have a sin nature. A child does not have to be taught to do wrong. It will do it automatically. That's its nature. That's all of our nature. We are sinners. That's why we sin. 
You're not born a Christian. Your behavior does not make you a Christian. You must become a Christian. Now let me ask you this. Have you become a Christian? Or are you still living without hope? The hope of the gospel proclaimed. There's also the hope of the gospel possessed. In 1 Peter and the chapter 3, here we find that God's servant writes about having a testimony to God's grace. 1 Peter 3, in the words of verse 15, But sanctify, set apart the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks of you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Let me put it very simply. If I was to call your name out, you'd be very embarrassed. So I'm not going to do that. But if I was to call your name out and say, Stand up and tell me why you have hope. You should be able to do it automatically. We should be ready always to give a reason, to give an answer if everyone asks us. Why do we have this hope? What does it mean to be a Christian? Can you do that? Do you have a testimony? Testimony that God has met you and saved you, that you're now born again of the Spirit of God, that you live for Christ? The apostle writing to the church at Colossae, in that chapter, in chapter 1, he also spoke about Christ in you, the hope of glory. Isn't it a wonderful thing to be a Christian? Isn't it a real joy to know your sins forgiven, that you're right for heaven, that you're going on with God? Christ is within you. He dwells within you. He lives within you. It's the hope of glory. It's the assurance, the confidence, it's well with my soul. Hope of the gospel possessed. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 116, Let me not be ashamed of my hope. You personally need the hope of the gospel. You need to be saved by the grace of God. You personally need your sins forgiven. You personally need peace with God. You personally need the hope of the gospel. A real blessing to know. We can say with the book of Proverbs, chapter 14, verse 22, the righteous hath hope in his death. Of course, that's because of what Christ has done for us. That's because of his work upon the cross. The hymn writer penned those beautiful words. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Let me ask you, is Christ your Savior? If not, why not? Do you possess this hope? The hope of the gospel transforming, making alive. We read in Ephesians 2 about those who were living without God, without Christ, without hope in the world. And then the verse 13 goes on to say, but now in Christ Jesus, there is a remedy, there is the answer. Man living with no hope, but in Christ, ye who sometimes were far off, far away from God, are made nigh, brought nigh by the blood of Christ. There is only one solution, one remedy for our sin. It's the blood of Christ. It's the work that he did on the cross. It's Christ as Savior. Being without Christ, aliens, strangers, no longer strangers, no longer living without God, no longer living without hope. We possess eternal life. The hope of the gospel proclaimed, the hope of the gospel 
possessed, the hope of the gospel portrayed. In the word of God, there are many wonderful, and I would have to say there are beautiful pictures and demonstrations of the hope of the gospel. Men and women who were living without God, who were were without hope, and there was no hope of them ever being saved or knowing God, but the Lord stepped in. You think of that poor demoniac, the man who cut himself amongst, whilst he was in the tombs cutting himself there, harming himself day and night. No man could tame him. Oftentimes, just like the folk that I work with, they, they hurt themselves, they harm themselves. No matter how many times they've done it, they keep on going, they keep on going. They haven't got the ability, the power to deliver themselves or free themselves from it. There he was cutting himself, hurting himself. Until the Lord stepped in. And the Lord there delivered him. And we find there that he was seated, clothed, and in his right mind. And of course the Lord told him to go and publish, to tell what great things he had done for him. And you and I likewise, we're to take forth this great, this grand message of the gospel to a lost and fallen world. How are men and women going to hear if you and I won't tell them? You think of the woman of Samaria, down there at the well, multiple relationships and husbands. The Lord saved her, changed her. I often think of Rahab, mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. It's as if Rahab is a character out of place because here in Hebrews 11 you have all the great characters and heroes of the faith. You've got Moses and Noah and Great servants of the Lord. And then Rahab. She wasn't an Israelite. She was a Gentile. A non-Jew. And and the, the Holy Spirit records. Rahab the harlot. Perish not with them that believe not. Because she'd faith. A woman who was right deep down in the very depths of sin. God saved her. And what a a beautiful picture of what the gospel does. It reaches lost, fallen man. Man who has got no hope. You might say, well, someone like Rahab needed the hope of the gospel. Even you, preaching. You needed the hope of the gospel, the life that you live. But I haven't gone to those depths. I haven't done those things. You stand before God tonight, if you're not saved, as a lost, condemned, guilty soul. Having no hope. But I want you to see there's wonderful hope in Christ. The hope of the gospel portrayed. But in closing, we have the hope of the gospel presented. Isn't it wonderful tonight when we think that man is living without God, without Christ in the world, that the Lord offers. He extends his mercy. The Lord reaches out with a hope that can transform and save and change. Personally for me, when I became a Christian, what broke my heart and melted my soul and broke my heart as it were into a million pieces was the fact when I realized that Jesus Christ loved me. You see, I could believe that 
and accepted he could love other people, but not me. Not to the depths of sin and what I was involved in and my lifestyle without God and just a mess. But the Lord opened my understanding to realize that Jesus Christ died on the cross and he died for a sinner like me. And it broke me. Young people, I tell you tonight, it still breaks me. To think that all these years on, his love to me, it has not, it will not change. It's still the same. We owe to him absolutely everything. Hopeless, lost, guilty sinners. And Christ saved us. Now what are you doing with that life? One precious life. How are you going to use it? You're going to use it to serve God? See the ability, the talent that you have? God has given it to you. Now will you use it for his glory? I hope that the gospel is presented to each one tonight. You're in our meeting, you're not a Christian, you're not saved. The Lord extends that message of hope to you. He can, he will save you. He will transform you. If you will come to him, will you? How will you respond? What will you do with Christ? Will you receive him as saviour or will you reject him? The best time to become a Christian is now. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. We do not know what a day will bring forth. Whilst you have your whole life in front of you, the best time to become a Christian is now. With this, I close. You trust Christ. The hope of the gospel. I can guarantee you this. You will never, never regret becoming a Christian. It is the greatest life any young person could have. I was saved at 23. When I became a Christian, it just dawned on me, I've been looking for life my whole life. I was looking in the drink, the drugs, the things of the world. But Christ satisfies. He blesses. He gives real life. Life is in Jesus Christ. He is the hope that you need. May God bless his word to each and every heart. Thank you so much for listening. And I trust indeed that the Lord will bless. Thank you.